Thank you, Matthew and Jonathan, for the, for the talk, for our communion thoughts, and of course, Joe David, and everyone. Um, yeah, I really echo the sentiments of Andrew. Siempre es bueno verte. It's always good to see you. I was sitting there thinking of, uh, believe it or not, not that I think these deep thoughts too often, but I was thinking of, and I've used it before, a line from Augustine in the City of God. As I looked around the congregation, and he wrote, the early martyrs were bound, imprisoned, scourged, racked, burnt, rent, and butchered, and they multiplied. I know the pandemic has really held us back to congregate, and you know, those moments happen, I guess, throughout human history, although it's pretty well unprecedented in my short life, yours as well, but it is so good to see you. I miss seeing you. You know, thank God for technology, for the chance to share a few words and have our experts here send it through the waves and you get it at your home. But in fact, it just isn't the same for me. And I suspect it's not the same for you and for many others right now who are still at home. And that we understand. We understand that precautions need to be made there's no sense in us um, violating those and keeping the spread going. The time will come, by God's mercy and grace, that we'll all be back together in this sanctuary, in this place, and I suspect all the tape will be off and every other pew will be as filled as it is where the tape is no longer here right now. Every other pew is just filled. So I have no doubt that we will multiply. You simply cannot hold the church of the Lord down. You just can't. And I know there are those across this great nation and the world who really fear that will happen, but I don't for the Antioch body of Christ. I do fear it globally. Uh, fear is the wrong word, but I understand that it could happen, and so it is in my prayers. But the time will come, you know, when we're, we're stronger for it. That's really all Augustine meant. He said, you know, you can, at the time... He wrote this in the, in the fourth century, but he's talking about the first and second century church. And he said they were, they were taken, they were collected by the Roman government, they were killed and they were maimed. And they were, as he said, they were bound in prison, scourged, racked, rent, burnt, butchered. And what happened to the church of the Lord? <laughs> it multiplied. Now, I thought about bringing a basketball with me this morning kind of reminiscent of Chuck. And then I was going to share how I drained a shot from mid-court in front of 69,000 <laughs> screaming fans. <laughs> Truth is, I missed the backboard, so I didn't bring it up. This will make sense later on, I trust. I've enjoyed talking about Colossians. We're still on Colossians. We're going to be there only today. It's our fifth message on the book of Colossians. I like it. I've always 
I've enjoyed all these studies from our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, you fill in the rest, all the way through Colossians. I think one of the reasons I've so enjoyed Colossians is because even though we get lost, perhaps, Bible students, in thinking, what was that Colossian heresy all about? And we really fail to understand the connection to the 21st century, to this date today. And that is, all the Lord is sharing in Colossians is, when you are tempted to be led astray from the centrality of Jesus Christ, don't. Because if you do, there's nothing there for you. You will live your life outside of Christ. You'll die. There's no grace because the grace is found in Christ. And that's really the message. And it's not just an overall, an overarching, huge, false teaching. What he's making reference to is anything, any thought, any teaching. And how many times have we heard in today's world, today's nation, where Christianity is somewhat um, laughed at and, you know, and really considered a myth by many? Well, if we go down that route, in the end, truth will prevail, and Paul Paul, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling you, let me share with you five arguments that will protect you. The Church of Christ at Antioch, let me share five arguments, not just for the church at Colossae 2,000 years ago, but for wit today and for all of us today. His first argument was, we're going to do this in seconds, but his first argument was Colossians 1, 2, and 13 and 14, 1 through 14 of the first chapter. Remember who you are, because you can't remove Christ from the church of Christ. You can't remove Christ from me saying I'm a Christian. So Paul reminds the Christians at Colossae, and the false teachers were saying, Jesus is just one of many in this dizzying scheme that they put together and this curious mixture of these various religions. And they were saying, yes, Jesus is important, but he's just one of others. And Paul would say, remember who you are. You are in Christ, Colossians 1-2. You are delivered from darkness. You have been redeemed and forgiven. Don't forget who you are. When you know who you are, you can stand up more bravely and say, well, regardless of what you think, I know who I am. And I belong to God, I belong to Christ, and I belong to the Lord's church. And I will until I draw my last breath. And I'll do all I can to love you and show mercy and grace and do my very best to persuade you to also believe in the only Savior that God has ever given us. Know who you are. Second argument, know who Christ is. Remember, remember who Christ is. Uses present tense, not past. Christ is. He is the image of the manifestation of the invisible God. Colossians 1, 15 through 19. He is the firstborn of all creation, meaning he began it. And then to clarify that, Paul says, in him and through him, all things were created. 
He is the head of the church, the body of Christ. And then Paul closes, verse 19, Colossians 1, in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Know who you are, know who Christ is. Paul's third argument was remember the gospel, the good news, right? That's also in Colossians 1 and 2. Remember this. Remember that the mystery of God is this. I'm revealing the mystery to you. Colossae knew it. Antioch knows it. The world doesn't. The mystery is Christ lives in you. That's the mystery. And that's what saves you. It's not that you're well-read. It's not that you are healthy. It's not that you have a lot of money. It's not that you think good thoughts or that you help your neighbor. The mystery is that Christ is in you. And because that is the truth, you are saved. The fourth argument we talked about last week, I did to four people here. <laughs> you listen to it online. And that is we, Paul reminds the Colossae church, we are hidden with Christ. The false teachers, the devil, his demons, his evil minions, evil men, don't worry about them. Try to help them, but don't worry about them. Why? Because you're protected. You are crypto, hidden in Christ, with Christ, in God. That's how he says it. Colossians 1, uh, 3 and verse 3. So those were four arguments. Know who you are, know who Christ is, know the truth, the message as you combat falseness, and know that you are protected by God, and he's omnipotent. No need to worry. The devil is impotent compared to that. And then he concludes, now get this, he concludes with an argument beginning with Colossians 3 and verse 18, he begins with that and goes all the way through Colossians 4.18. There are 95 verses, by the way, in the book of Colossians, in the English translations, 95 verses. Therefore, about 95 sentences. There are 26 verses from Colossians 3.18 to Colossians 4.18. This is his final argument. And he uses... I use the word relationships. You want to be protected from false teaching? We were created to be relational beings. We were created to be in, in community. That, by the way, is the reason that this pandemic has hurt so many. Not that COVID-19, this is the most this is the most tragic in all the deaths that have occurred, but all the studies I've been doing recently from the CDCP, you know, the Center for Disease and Control and Prevention has recently gone back to 2019 and 2020 and early 2021, and they discovered from the moment the pandemic came over, uh, you know, was, was known globally that there has been a spike in suicides. And it really has hit, they said, 25% greater in the young adults. Spikes in suicide. Why? Because we were created to be in community. We were... This is what we were created to do. And so Paul talks about community. He'll, he'll talk about family, 
Colossians 3, 18 through 21. He'll talk about community, Colossians 3, 22 through 4, 6. And then he'll talk about the church, Colossians 4, 7 through 18. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is how you combat false teaching. Do you think we have an accountability group? I know that expression has been used over decades, and I think it's a very good idea for preachers, for everyone, to have a handful of select friends they can confide in when they're tempted to sin, and so together they get together and they help each other. But let me remind you, if I were to have a show of hands, I thought about doing this, but I don't want to. If, if I were to ask you, how many people here are part of an accountability group? I suspect if you're honest, there may be two or three or four, but if I were to remind you, the body of Christ is the accountability group. Everyone here is accountable to each other. And we'll talk about that last 95 verses, 26 of them. Now, I did the math, that's 27%. 27, more than one quarter of every sentence Paul wrote combating this heinous um, heresy. He says it's relationships. You want to really fight it? Know yourself, know Christ, remember those things, know the gospel, and know that you're protected. But the applicable way to fight it is to know that Joe David's on my side. I've got his back. He's got mine. In the Air Force, we call it, you know, your wingman. We all, we're all wingmans to each other. All right, we'll talk about that in just a minute more, and, I've, and so we'll move on. Okay, this is how he starts now. Isn't it, have you ever thought it peculiar that he's addressing a false heresy? And then he talks about wives and husbands and children and parents and masters and servants. And, whoa, where'd that come from? Because Paul realizes that's where the false teaching gets, gets its roots. That's where it spreads. And that's also where you can fight it, right there. So he, he reminds the, the family, and that's the beginning. That's the first defense of God's people, their own biological or the family, the ones they've adopted, everybody in their family. He says, wives, let me remind you, you know, subject to your husbands. It is a voluntary subjection. And then later in Ephesians 5, he'll, com he'll, he'll compare all of these to the church. He says, wives, voluntarily submit to your husbands like the church voluntarily submits to Christ. Husbands, love your wives as, the, as Christ loves the church. Children, obey your parents. This is fitting in the Lord. And then he closes, and then he closes with parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. In Ephesians 5, bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It begins in the family. Can it be overcome if one has a bad family? Yes. By God's grace and mercy, God is, after all, God. But it's designed by creation to begin in the family. And so Paul reminds the Colossian church, this is a horrible heresy. It's a horrible false teaching. Don't be led astray from Christ. Wives, husbands, children, remember who you are. And then he talks about community. In the workplace, he'll use the word masters here. 
He's talking about employers and employees. He's talking about the vocational side. The first line of defense is right here with the family. Debbie and me, and we, we were, and when the boys were little, it was those three, us five. Now it's Deb and I and my extended family from Alaska to, you know, Pittsburgh to right here in Nashville. My family, the Whittington family. And then you can extend it further to siblings, etc. You know, eventually we're going to talk about the body of Christ, the church. But that's what Paul is doing. He says your first line of defense against any false teaching is the family. The second, remember who you are in the community. And how do you, what's the template that Paul gives us? You can find this in Colossians 3, through 4, 6. The template is, here's how you conduct yourself when you go to work. You pray for your fellow workers. You walk with wisdom. And you speak graciously. It will not only, as what Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, it will not only, um, it will not only uh, uh, change any anger toward you, forgot the word I was looking for, but it will, it will encourage them. A soft answer turns away wrath. A harsh answer just has an argument. And Christ is not glorified and you are hurt and the other person, no one wins. It is a lose-lose. So Paul reminds them, when you're out in Colossae, when you're out in Antioch of Tennessee, when you're walking the streets, this is your template for helping those who believe falsely and ensuring that you believe the truth. Pray for them. Pray. Walk wisely. And let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, as he goes on to explain. And then he comes to the body of Christ, the church. Now, I find this very fascinating. I want to read those verses and then comment, and then the lesson's yours. All right, here we go. Colossians 4, 7 through 18. This is how Paul concludes. You think he might have just written this stuff out of niceties to his people. He's still talking about false teaching. He never stops his thought process. He goes through each of these arguments logically, and then he closes with relationships because that's where you defeat it. And then he reminds them, let me tell you about my entourage, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And he mentions them. In fact, he takes 12 verses, more than any other time. He'll, he'll spend four verses on the family, 10 verses on the community, and 12 on the church. 26 total out of 95 combating the Colossian heresy. He says, Tychicus will tell you all about my affairs. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother who is one of yourselves, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Verse 11, and Jesus, who was called Justice. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of yourselves, a servant of Jesus Christ, greets you. Always remembering you earnestly in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Luke, 
the beloved physician and Demas greet you. Give my greetings to the brethren at Laodicea and to Nympho and the church in her house. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry which you have received. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Now, I want you to look at this list of ten. Now, unless you're an avid Bible student, and many of you are, these are mostly unsung heroes. Tychicus, Onesimus you read about in Philemon, but other than that, he's silent. There's no mention of him. Aristarchus, Mark, we know about, right? Matthew, Mark, the second gospel. John Mark, as he was called. Justice, don't know about justice. Epaphras, one of the Colossian people, but other than that, no. Luke, we know about the great physician. Demas, maybe a little bit. Nympha, don't know if that's male or female, by the way. Scholars are still undecided. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> In Revised Standard, it calls her a her. female. And then Archippus. Now, I want you to know that of these ten, only Mark and Luke are that familiar. But Paul is wanting the church at Colossae, and I believe by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, the church at Antioch, to know that the body of Christ consist mostly of unsung heroes. Everyone behind the scene. I asked Andrew the other week, send me a list of names for those who do things behind the scenes. I think I'll mention them. Excuse me, wit. You know, hello, is anyone home? He sent me 115 names, and then he said, I'm positive I'm missing some. So I guess I could have spent 30 minutes on Calling you by name, one at a time, you know, boom, 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 all the way through. I'm telling you, body of Christ at Antioch, it's, it's the church, it's the unsung heroes, it's, it's everyone here from security to the, to the um, custodialship to, I mean, there are 12 or 13 categories, you know, to all the educational side, to everything. And those are the ones who are working behind the scenes in the building, not to mention those who are working for Christ on behalf of the, of the brothers and sisters at Antioch outside the building. I suspect everyone in the sound of my voice, not just those congregated, but all of you understand that, <laughs> that the unsung heroes in the faith are in the pew, not the pulpit. In the pew, not meeting on Monday nights with the elders. In the pews, that's where you are. In your homes, in, the, in, in your workplaces. You want to really defeat false teaching if there's anything that enters Antioch? That's how you do it. You're, you're the accountability group. James 5, 19, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and someone brings him back from the error of his way, know that the one who brings him back from the error of his way saves his soul from death and covers a multitude of sins. We have each other's back. In 1977, I was a young guy, younger now then than I'm now. Hmm? Been married, uh, I don't know, five years, I guess. 
the University of Marquette, I enjoy following basketball, especially the tournament. The University of Marquette, that year in 1977, won the NCAA championship. Well, one of their star players, his name is, he's alive and well, retired from the NBA. His name is Butch Lee, Alfred Butch Lee Jr., the first Puerto Rican who played in the NBA. He's a senior at the University of Marquette, and he is not only an All-American, he is the premier player that year in the NCAA. Picked up the very next, at the next uh, year, picked up by the Cavaliers to play, goes to Los Angeles, plays for the Lakers. Years later, that was 77, years later, he's retired. Al McGuire was, at the time, the coach for Marquette. And they're in the championship game playing North Carolina. Before the game, with I don't know how many thousands of fans in the bleachers, you know, he calls his star player over, away from all the other players, Coach McGuire. He says, now, Butch, I want to remind you there are 40 minutes in this basketball game. There are two teams. Each team, therefore, has about 20 minutes with the ball. There are five players per team. That means that each player has about four minutes with the ball. I know what you can do with a ball in your hand in four minutes. I want you to show me what you can do with the other 36 minutes. I want you to show me what you can do when someone else has the ball. That's the mark of a champion. 